All right. Is go this for thing it. On? Yeah, go for it. Welcome to episode 85 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much, Andrew. What's up with you? Not much. Um, let's see. Weather's getting better. I don't want to talk about the weather. No? No. It's not the weather podcast? Skip it. Skip it. It's not better enough to make mention of it yet. skip the weather. Just skip it. Well, I think we're we're definitely all done with salt. I, just skip it. It's the middle of April. Skip the goddamn story, Andrew. Fine. It's a non-story. Fine. We've got some Mystic Brewing yep. Mango Peach Frap IPA. That sounds delicious. I have not. I have yet to take a sip of it, however. It looks pretty thick. India Pale Ale with Lactose. Ooh. That's, I'm glad I'll be leaving quickly after we're done recording. <laughs> Because I don't want to be around you then. <laughs> hmm. So it's milk beer. Interesting, because it was given a, given to us by our friend who is also lactose intolerant. But probably why she gave it up. Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna take a look at this can real quick. Um. Yeah. Oh, it's so Chelsea Mass. Yeah, that's why it's Mystic. Mystic River. It could also be from Connecticut. It's true. So it's not. Nope. From uh, Chelsea Kid. Yeah, guy. Yeah. Mango peach frap IPA. 7.5%. That's not bad. I don't, I, I don't really, is lactose like an ingredient to make things different? What is the, like, I know it's in milk, but I don't know what point of it is. But I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a chemist here, so. Do we know what lactose is? <laughs> Wait, did you find something floating in your beer? What are you doing over there? Yeah, it's probably just like. It's sugar. The stuff that's at the bottom of a beer can. A sugar present in milk. Uh, okay. Now the learning portion of the podcast is over. What do we got on this week? Car related, Andrew? I just did some, uh, well, I helped other friends with project car updates. Didn't you fix your WRX? What did I do with my WRX? The coolant leak? No, I figured it out. Oh, I thought you fixed it already. No, no, but did I figured you it out. Did the wheels and tires yet? I did. Okay. So there's so, something. Yeah, so I did the oil change. I swapped to the summers, and while well, I had it in the air, I literally rolled it in to use the lift. And as soon as I lifted up in the air, I could see coolant, a couple of drops. I think you've probably mentioned on the show before that there was the, an issue where when it was really cold, you were smelling coolant. Yeah, it was pretty cold out that day, and the car was cold. But then when it warmed up, the coolant smell would go away. Mm-hmm. So... I look, like, just followed it, like, whoop, like, look straight up, and there it was, right at the oil filter. I hope you made that noise and you did it, too. I did. Excellent. Do, 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 do. Enhance. That's what I wanted I to hear. Um, but, yeah, it was like, there is an oil cooler that is liquid to oil, and it has coolant lines running into it, and those coolant lines are just really old, and they probably shrank up in the cold. And, As things do. Yep. And they were leaking coolant when it was cold, and then as they heat up, they swell back up and seal up, and then it wasn't leaking. So uh, I did figure it out, and, like, I touched one of them. Basically, it was a rubber line, but now it feels like plastic, so it's just super, super old. Yeah, it just was not and it, not compliant anymore. No, and it goes into a metal line, a short metal line that probably goes to another hose. The coolant... Like line situation on a turbo WRX is it's a little re- absurd. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're everywhere. There's like a bunch of small ones and like mid size ones, 
and then like larger ones, and then of course two radiator hoses. Well, you got to think of the design of the engine in general because it has it's a flat engine design, so it has opposing pistons, opposing cylinder heads that all need to be cooled, and then it has a turbo somewhere else, and mm-hmm. then it has a radiator somewhere else, mm-hmm. and for some reason it has two radiator caps. Yeah, probably to do with the way the turbo setup is. It's got like a surge tank on the top. Which, which has a pressurized cap on it. Yeah. As well as a radiator. Yeah. It's just a weird setup. Yeah. I mean, it works, obviously, but it's just, it's, it has more hoses than like an 80s car had vacuum lines. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty bad. And then one of the one of the lines that appears to be leaking is just above the crossover pipe for the exhaust, so it probably just got cooked over the 10 years, 15 years, whatever. Yeah, it sounds like it. <clears throat> real hot. Real hot spots will usually dry out faster than. Yeah, so uh, I bought that metal line, and I bought. I uh, coincidentally, smartly, they used the three same angled hoses, like all three of them are the same. Like one elbows out of the engine, okay. one elbows to this line. Then there's one on the end of that line. All three are the same. Uh, I got new clamps. Uh, even with a discount buying the parts online, it was like a hundred dollars. Oh, that's not bad. No, it's not too bad, but it's kind of a pain because now to not make a huge mess, I'll have to drain the coolant again. You just flushed it too, didn't you actually? No, like beginning of the winter. Well, yeah, but as far as coolant flushes go, it's not a six month, every six month procedure. So I would call that pretty recently. Yeah, but I can... I'll just put it into a clean container and reuse it. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. We're talking about the process of doing the actual job itself is kind of a kind of a pain. Yeah, I get that funnel thing that makes it pretty easy, which I think everyone should buy because they're only like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. And it basically just has a funnel with an adapter that fits the top of the radiator, and then you can overfill the radiator and then run the engine, and it burps all the coolant out of it. So that works pretty good. That's the um, the yellow one that just sits in there. and The old ones are yellow, and now when you buy a new one, it's clear. Oh, okay, but the same Which thing, is, basically. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. That's cool. But then, uh, that was the beginning of the week. Uh, last Saturday, uh, our mutual friend, uh, I've posted a couple of pictures of it before, has a uh, 2002 Z06, and he's getting it ready for track days. Okay. And he wanted to do long tube headers to an X-pipe to the factory exhaust in the back because it's titanium still. And he didn't want it super loud. Yep. And the titanium's pretty light. I remember when he was talking about changing it, most of the aftermarket solutions for exhaust in the Z06 weighed more than the factory titanium exhaust did. Yep. But, and the mufflers, I guess, flow pretty well. And plus they're super light. Like you can pick them up just one hand. It's crazy. And obviously, because it's not iron, it will never rot away. So it'll just last a super long time. Not that the car even gets driven in weather anyway. <clears throat> no, but there's inherently moisture in exhaust. Mm-hmm. So so now it's, pretty, it's stainless steel to, to titanium basically the whole way, right? Yes. So that's a forever exhaust. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially on that car. Especially with the way he buys and sells cars. Yeah. I'm sure it'll but it was, three years from now it'll be a different car anyway. They're pretty cool. I mean, it was a bit of a tight fit. I didn't have to help him get the cast iron headers out or manifolds. Mm-hmm. When they're cast iron, they're manifolds. They're not headers. Um, 
So that was pretty cool. I just showed up and the manifolds were already lying on the ground. Sorry, the headers were already in the vehicle. They're just sitting there. They just need to be bolted up and put the gaskets on. And actually the side I started working on already had one gasket in and like a couple bolts. And he's like, oh, I'm just, just finished up that side. I was like, all right, cool. And of course I looked at the valve covers cause he had the quote packs off and they had mm-hmm. some oil seepage around them. I was like, well, we might as well do valve cover gaskets while it's apart. Well, it's apart cause it's only four bolts cause it's an LS yeah, they were right in the middle and we can cover. get them like in 20 minutes because at, it's at the an grocery Amer- store. Yeah. It's an American <laughs> vehicle. It's not like one of our vehicles. We have to order parts a week in advance yeah. and plan things ahead. <laughs> That's an LS motor. It's the same thing in everything. Yeah. So they had a set of Felpro gaskets. So you went down to the corner dealer, yeah, basically, and bought yourself some valve cover gaskets, mm-hmm. and did them in like I do envy 10 that. Minutes. I do envy that parts availability of like a standard American car. Yeah, it's just nice to have that. And I don't know, it wasn't that actually. Bad I don't think it's the fact on. that it's a standard American car. I think it's the fact that it's just a normal modern car. Yeah, like we're just used to working on. Weird, obscure old Mitsubishis. Yeah, I guess you are. You are too. Yeah, I mean, I can't get like parts around the corner for a, a TSM anymore. No, or a it's all it's gone. You used to point. be able to, yeah. Um, and mean, you're also used to working on them as well because you work on all of my cars with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so what else is done to the Corvette so far? I know he's got a ton of plans for it. I don't know what's finished. He did some finished. brake upgrades. I don't remember exactly what he did to the brakes. But those were all done when I got there. I know he kept the stock calipers. Yeah. But it's like an oversized rotor, maybe? Probably. Ain't all new, like, stainless steel lines and mm-hmm. stuff, I think. That was all done. But the... They're like... It was like American Racing Exhaust or something. It was some really cheesy name. But... It was a really quality product. But the... Yeah. The welds and stuff were really nice. And the way they fit was really nice. So once you get them lined up, they fit perfectly. They came right out. Um, surprisingly, it was just... The, the That's the other thing. So in an LS... The bolts are in the middle of the exhaust manifold. Like there's just like five bolts in the middle that holds the exhaust manifold on. Like I th- would think there'd it's be not more. Like four across the top and four across the bottom. Yeah, the yeah. But hmm, I guess that's all it needs. I mean, if it works, this, are there brackets holding the manifold somewhere else? Nope. Hmm. I don't know, but they're not. They weren't that heavy. And then I, uh, we put some new plugs in it too. New plug wires with the little heat booties over it because the wires run between the. Uh, uh, the new headers, headers themselves, and they yeah. don't have any heat shields on them. So, and the headers are probably hotter than the manifolds, I bet too, because they're probably thinner. Yeah, and plus the they don't have the factory heat shielding, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing too. He went in and did this before with all the design engineering stuff, so the DEI, the heat management stuff, mm-hmm. and just put. I know like, he heat wrapped like the floor of the car and yeah, with the, the exhaust, exhaust runs, just because and... it's a plastic car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to melt stuff. Well, there's a lot of heat <clears throat> protection from the factory. Too. There's a lot of pieces of steel and stuff down there. Yeah, for that purpose. But all the wires and stuff. So now the O2 sensor wires run close to the manifold. So we those are all covered with heat stuff. So yeah, it's better melt. just put heat stuff on everything anyway, just to make things cooler. Yeah, and around the starter, so the starter doesn't die. With the header over it. Because that started probably a pain to change with the header there as well, I assume, right? Because the header probably blocks it. Because it the does. manifolds, you probably unbolt the down tube from the manifold and yeah. access the starter. But now you have this long tube header. Is it like a four into one collector on the headers, too? It was way into the car, like an old drag car? Yeah. 
Okay. I so I believe that is a common American V8 problem where you'd have long tubes on a car and it always ends up going over the it starter. It interferes with either the starter or the steering shaft or something on yeah. most cars. Yeah. That's why you have specific kits for different cars and they got to be still banged around a bunch. Yeah. No, we didn't have to do anything of these. These fit. There's no like clearancing of uh, headers. This was they fit perfectly. Well, that's good then. And then it was cool. I'm sure they designed for the car, so it probably helps. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were well designed. They came right out by the oil pan, and then they pointed in the correct direction to meet up with the X pipe. Okay. And we only had to like kind of you know as you put exhaust together loose. You don't just like yeah, so you can fiddle with it again afterwards. Yeah. The only thing it was you know you bolted it in, torqued the the heads. And then from there, we just manipulated it all the way back and then got it set up. And then I like, too, the mid-pipe, there is off of the there's the X-pipe, which had the, had the cats in it. And then the two mid-pipes were slip-fit with um, uh, clamps. Like and then Standard they, muffler clamp style? No, they're a nicer band clamp Okay. than the old-school, like, U-bolt muffler. Yeah, those are pretty terrible. Yeah. So there, it was more like a European uh, band clamp, just like a thin version. But what they did was they offset the length so the band clamps wouldn't be next to each other. They'd be offsets. So they wouldn't interfere. So you could uh, tighten them up and then put them above so they wouldn't hang below the exhaust. Okay. So they would not be the lowest point. The exhaust would be all in one plane. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. I like that. And then the best part was they met up with the factory mufflers, like, perfectly. So it was very well engineered for the car, despite the cheesy name of the company. Yes. Good. And the fact that... I saw the parts out of the car before they were installed. They looked pretty cool. And the fact that they sent them the wrong O2 sensor extenders. They weren't long enough? Is that what it was? For the fronts. Okay. They weren't the correct ones with the correct plugs. The plugs weren't right either? No, because your front and rears have different plugs, so you don't mess them up. So you don't mess them up, yeah. Um, left and right is the same, but front and rear is different. So, so we sent them four fronts or four rears. No, two extended harnesses for the rears, because maybe a C6 we figured might have had them in the different location need to be extended or something. Okay. Um, and that's maybe they just got messed up with the uh, adapter harness. So it doesn't matter because we just cut them apart. And then spliced in wires them yourself. and just rebuilt the harness. Because they're only like two or three wires sensor, right? Or four wire harness. Four wire. Yeah. Okay. So. Still, it's eight wires total. It's not a big deal. No. A wire's a wire. Yeah. You've done more wiring a stereo than you doing that. So. Yeah. And then they looked like factory harnesses afterwards. So it doesn't matter. Nice. nice. I know he did. He's got suspension for the car. Is that in yet, too? No. He had the coilovers on the, on the bench okay. and some sway bars. The car's pretty serious. Yeah, I know he chopped out some weight from the back, too, with some chunky housings and aluminum pieces that were hanging down there. Yeah. Kind of exposed, like, where the rear diff area is. You can see from behind the car now. Mm-hmm. Where, actually, the typical Corvette owner puts that plate back there that says Corvette mm-hmm. like in between the uh, exhaust pipes. He does that whole area out so you can see all the rear suspension pieces. And when you're behind the car, you can see everything moving. It's cool. Yeah, I'll have to get some pictures of it. Um, yeah, for sure. When the weather's a little bit nicer. So he has seats in the car yet? No, he put one seat in it. He's a driver's seat in the car and a steering wheel and a shift knob and a couple other minor and a shifter. things. All shifter. They don't just knob. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a pretty fun car when it's done. I mean, it's a Z06. It was already a pretty fun car. 
I think we talked about it on the podcast before, how it was like mind-bendingly fast for how cheap they are. Well, that was the other thing we drove it with, because uh, at that time it was like a 17,000-mile Corvette yep. with original tires on it from 2002. Mm-hmm. But then when you put modern... And it was cold out. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's got like, uh, I think Toyos on it right now. Super sicky Toyos or yeah. Nitos. I don't remember what they are. I know they have like two really wide grooves in the middle of them. And then like they're they're DOT street legal race tires. Pretty much pretty much slicks, yeah. Yeah. So with modern tires on it and the stuff he's done to it, it's a pretty Pretty much a supercar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A twenty thousand dollar supercar. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yep. I'd be down with one. Yeah, no question. No question. I don't think I'd want to own one just because it doesn't really fit my I don't know. It doesn't really fit me. Personally, uh, working on the LS, like it's not old enough and clapped out enough for me. Basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> working on the LS, though, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, I, I kind of knew why people love these, but I was like, yeah, well, this- people love them because they're bulletproof, they're cheap, and they make power. Yep. And I was like, this is pretty simple. I pulled yeah. the valve covers off. I was like, where is everything? There's just some rockers in here. Yeah, exactly. Where the camshaft, man? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is way too simple. But man, do I want one of those engines in like a 240 Volvo or something. Something. I know it's not cool to say LS swap, but I don't really care. Who said it wasn't cool? It's it's kind of a thing that I hate on LS swaps. Every LS swaps, everything. Those people are dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things that, yeah, there's a saturation of it on the internet. There's not a saturation of it in your real life. You know what? It works. Yeah, and why not? If you can make 350 reliable horsepower... For like four grand, why wouldn't you do that? Would you, uh, like Jeremy's uh, uh, Le Mans project, mm-hmm. would you rather spend a bunch of money building a stock Pontiac 400 block? No, or because just by the time you made 350 <laughs> horse out of that 1973 Pontiac 400 block, you'd probably be into it for more money than the LS. And you'd be into it for specific parts that you always need to find those specific parts. Yeah. Just not the small block Chevy. Yeah. That, like, there's a reason the, the ubiquitous hot rod motor since the motor came out in 1955 has been the small block Chevy. You know, it was the flathead V8 from 32 to 55, and then the small block came out, and it's been the small block Chevy or variants of it, a variants of that from then until now. Yeah. And it ain't stopping anytime soon because there's millions of them, so why not yeah. use them? Well, I know this is a little different. It, I'm Actually, saying a version. A I'm saying, but, it's a lot different, but I'm saying a version of, like the, the the LS can trace its roots back to 1955. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's the ubiquitous Chevy 350 small block. It's what's been known forever. It's yeah. Is it the same motor from 1955? Of course not, but it's the same same family basically. Yeah. No. It's just. It just it works. works. Yeah, it just works. Yeah, so just, just, why just not use it. it? It works. And it's fuel injected. Toyota Cressida, Volvo 240. Yeah, everybody puts them in 180. Or sorry, um, Nissan 240SXs. Mm-hmm. Don't care. Put it in whatever. RX-7s, doesn't matter to me. I'm not a rotary purist. Don't care. I mean, third gen RX-7, it's kind of sweet with that. Yeah. If you can put an LS in a car and not ruin the aesthetic of the car for what it is, then it's awesome. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. If you have to cut the car up and it becomes some cartoon of itself, it's a whole other story. But in most of those cars, 
it's not even an issue. Mm-hmm. You can put it in there, put a set of stock wheels on it, and nobody'd know the difference until you're roasting the tires off of it that you know, no 1983 Toyota Cressida should be able to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's been my dream build for a long time. You have your 240, I have my Cressida. I mean, I know there's at least like one or two people in Australia that have done LS Monteros. There's a couple in the States now too, actually, aren't there? I have not seen any that run. I think that might be the caveat right there. The finished running LS. I'm not counting it unless I see it running and driving. Yeah, I know of at least two in process. But they're 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 not done yet. So LS Swap Starion, that runs. There's a few of those. Yeah. Well the, the one most... super famous one, the um John Lazarak was yep. on um He was on Hoodigan, he was on Garage. Hoodigan. Yep. The car was on uh, one take. Yeah, Matt Ferrer. TSD one take. Yep. And he did um the oh. Optima Challenge, yep. Optima Batteries Challenge. Ultimate Street Car, that's the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. So yeah, that car is pretty well known. In fact, if you look at that car lately, he took all the decals off of it because he's done uh, right. with current so it's racing. Cooler. Yeah. yeah, it's just a red. It looks real good with no decals on yeah, it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> the car is awesome. But, What's amazing is he built that entire car like in his garage Yep. and at his kitchen table, as he talks about. I'm a little jealous of that car. Yeah. So anyway, enough with LS engines. Why, why, why stop talking about them? We can talk about them all night long. It's true. They're good. So good. Los engines are good. Yes. Um, what else do we do? Um, we worked on my Raider again. Hmm. That is a fun story. How'd that go? The Raider has brakes. It does have brakes. Yeah. It was no drama. Yes, there no was. Issues. Went together. 20 minutes. It's all took. Yeah. Got the truck running and stopping. No issues at all. Um, so the Raider has never had brakes. I mean, it's had brakes, but it's never really had brakes. It has brakes in the fact that there are brakes bolted to the truck. And eventually they stop the vehicle. Okay. You, you know, I always had to plan my stops way in advance. Um, and Are the truck driving a, driving a freight train. Well, I mean, yeah, I, minus the power and load carrying capacity and Necessity to be on rails. Okay. Yes. Like driving a freight train, I guess. Uh, no, I had to plan my stops. It was almost like the car had like 1955 drum brakes all around. You really had to think about when you wanted to stop. Mm. So That sounds terrifying. Well, it's got a manual transmission and an e-brake. Yeah. So between the three things, I could get it woed down pretty quickly. Um, and they would eventually lock up. Mm-hmm. Like one wheel, maybe. But anyway, obviously it was not ideal. So we talked last week about doing the lines in the rear and the shoes in the rear. Yep. So still had no pedal after all that was done, which we kind of assumed it wasn't going to because there wasn't any obvious leaks back there. Everything was just really worn out and cruddy looking, so we decided to start there. Um, So it comes to the master cylinder at that point. Because we noticed that the front calipers were moving, so we knew they weren't frozen. One of them might be like have one frozen pin because it only seems to move halfway, but we'll worry about that later. Um, so we changed the master cylinder out. Went to change it out. Everything came apart pretty easily, actually, mm-hmm. for an old New England junkyard truck. Yep. Because we used our favorite power lube. Yeah. Um, and cleaned off all of the nuts and bolts and everything pretty well before he even attempted to do anything. So it came off pretty well, put the new master cylinder on, 
started to reverse bleed the system? Yes. Because we have a vacuum bleeder? No. Not a vacuum bleeder. What do you call it? A pressure bleeder? It's a pressure bleeder, but it hooks to the bleeder screw of the caliper. Or wheel cylinder. Yep. And you push fluid from the wheel... Through the system, back up into the master cylinder. And you fill up the master cylinder. So you like backfill the reservoir. Mm-hmm. Instead of pushing um, air all the way out through the lines, mm-hmm. you're pushing fluid back up and... Theoretically pushing the air in front of the fluid. Yeah. And especially because we did we did it that way because we had the tool, instead of bench bleeding the master cylinder, that was quicker and easier to do it that way. It definitely was. It worked really well. Um <clears throat> It's a, I forget the name of the tool. I was going to say the name of the tool, but. Oh, I forget the name. I forget what it's called, too. I don't know. It's got a picture of uh, Stacey yeah. David from Gears TV. Yeah. yeah he was, he was a, posing next to like a 32 Ford, pretending to use it. Spokesperson <laughs> for it, yeah. It, it came with a DVD with him telling you how to use it. Yep. So we did not watch that, but I think I we should. Structure manual. As a, as a review. I don't have anything. I think that plays DVDs. You have so. an Xbox sitting right next to us. Oh, that'll play DVDs? Definitely plays DVDs. Huh. Anyway. Um, so we can, you know, do a movie review of Stacey David's instructional manuals, (laughs) which you'd be a pretty good reviewer of instructional manuals because that's what you do for a living. Yeah. So anyway, so we bled it from the back to the front. You were standing on the lift. I was under the car and I was pushing the fluid through the system and you start, start to come through the master cylinder into the reservoir. Oh yeah. And it blew all this black garbage back up through there. Well, it's a almost 30-year-old truck. What can I say? Which it is, is fine. 30, 30, actually, this year it's a 30-year-old truck. Which is fine. Um, Whatever. We knew it was full of garbage. And it made like a geyser, you said, at the top of the thing. When it first came at first. Yeah. And then it, like, when you have a reservoir, it sits in the master cylinder. It's a plastic reservoir. It sits in some rubber grommets to seal it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because we were pushing so much pressure back through it, like, I was like, oh, the reservoir is not really under pressure. Yeah, it just sits there and, like, gravity feeds back into the master cylinder normally. Yeah, you'd figured all the pressure would be in the master cylinder, but apparently not. So there was a lot of fluid coming out around the base of the reservoir. Just pouring out. Pouring like, out. And we assumed it was coming, like I you like, said, Yeah, from the pressure out from the bottom. But I was like, I don't think that's right, but I don't think it's not right but this is a new tool and we don't know what it's supposed to look like when you use it so and let's see like, what happens all right well maybe when we're done that'll stop because if i pushed it down into this should have been my first clue because when i pushed the reservoir down into it it sealed up better mm-hmm. and then stopped leaking right so you did all well there's only three places you, you right we discussed last week about how there's only one bleeder yeah. on the rear setup but it's so like you do all that across the middle and i was like all right cool it's leaking brake fluid everywhere. So let me, I sucked out all the garbagey black stuff that was in there that mm-hmm. came back out. And then I was like, all right, let me put some fresh fluid in there. I bear in mind I'm under the car now with his father, like looking at all the connections. So I put fresh fluid in there and it, like I filled it basically halfway up and it within like um, two minutes, it had poured it that long. It poured all out of yeah. those. Underneath grommets. the truck, it was like Niagara Falls of brake fluid. Yeah. It was gross. You you couldn't touch anything without being covered in brake fluid. Yeah. It was awful. So we decided that the new master cylinder came, it came with the reservoir and the two rubber grommets. So we decided that 
well, obviously, this new master cylinder's reservoir is molded wrong. It was like a copy of a copy, probably. Right. It's slightly it's a, too small. You know, cheap Chinese knockoff or whatever. So we'll take the reservoir off the old master cylinder and swap it over because it's an OEM reservoir. Mm-hmm. Long story short, actually, I'm telling the whole long story because we're on a podcast and we're supposed to tell the whole long story. Yeah. Long story long, this is a New England truck. And it was a Phillips head screw that held, doesn't hold pressure on the reservoir on top of the master cylinder. Keeps it just kind of keeps off. it in place. Yeah. Um, but it was completely rusty on the end. Mm-hmm. The screw, the screw head was stripped. It almost looked like it was a, um, um, a Torx bit versus a Phillips head bit. And the Phillips head just wouldn't turn it. Mm-hmm. So then we're trying to figure out how we're going to get this screw off of the master cylinder and our brains are already annoyed because everything's not working right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided that a sawzall blade maybe was a good know. idea to cut a slot into it. <laughs> not on a sawzall though, because we don't want to damage the reservoir. See, I don't have a cutoff wheel that small. We didn't have like a Dremel in the shop. Yeah, I like, have like a three inch cutoff wheel for like way exhaust. too big. So, obviously, as you've probably already established listening to this, the Dremel blade, I'm sorry, the uh, Sawzall blade was not ideal. No. Then I got a small file. Nor was the small file. Yeah. And they were sitting there going, why don't we just drill this thing out? Because that's what we should have done from the first place. But for some reason, we weren't thinking. So, we drilled out the head of it um, and then managed to pry the, like, little clip on the edge of the reservoir over the edge of it. Yep. Um. Because we had the new screw that came with the new mesh cylinder, and we swapped it over, so we didn't need it anyway. So it's yeah. not a big deal. You should post the video. You took a bit of how loose everything on was on off-topic page. Yeah. yeah, I will do that. So at this point, we said, "All right, we're going to clean out this old crappy reservoir before we put it in the new master cylinder." Because you know why put this dirty, gross part in the new part? So we start cleaning it out, and I, we realized that what is in the bottom of the reservoir. Oh, yeah. Which might have been part of the braking problem the whole entire time. Maybe. Depending on the positioning that it was in. Yeah. So, at some point during somebody's ownership of this Raider, I know for a fact it wasn't me, because I would not have done this. Okay. Um, Somebody dropped the foil, like, freshness seal from the top of a brake fluid container. Like the little, like, one-inch round seal that's under the cap. It's like a little silvery metal foil piece. Into the reservoir, and it was just sitting in the front of the reservoir. Mm-hmm. Which could easily have been blocking the passageway for the fluid to go through because it's small little holes. No, you know why it wasn't the problem? Because the back of the... You could see in the booster where all the fluid was rip, uh, dripping down and mm-hmm. rusted the booster from the master cylinder. I'm not saying it was the whole problem. I'm saying it might have contributed to the problem. I'm saying it was evidence that the brake fluid was leaking because somebody kept having to add brake fluid and then drop the foil in there. That's also possibly true, yes. Damn it, Andrew. Got to prove my story wrong. So anyway, maybe it wasn't an issue at all, but the piece is in there and it shouldn't be in there. And it made me think, hmm, maybe this whole job was for naught. And all I had to do was drain it out, take this little thing out of here and keep working. Eh. But whatever. So we got the new piece on. Put some fluid in it, and it poured out like crazy mm-hmm. all over the floor again. Mm-hmm. 
So now we're we getting, put the old reservoir in. Put the old reservoir on the new master cylinder. Yep. So now we're getting like angry about the whole situation, and I'm ready to just rip the whole thing off, bring it back to O'Reilly's, and say this doesn't work. Give me a different one. Yeah. So cooler heads prevailed. I guess I don't even know whose idea it was to try this. I don't. My, my dad started looking at the grommets in the old master cylinder. Yeah. So and he was trying to pull one out. So I went over and I was like, oh, they feel pretty soft still. Like they're not dried out. Yeah. And I managed to get one out with my fingernails. Mm-hmm. And then I used a plastic prying tool, got the other one out. Right. Cleaned them up. So while you were cleaning those up, I was like, well, I'll see what it takes to get these out of the new master cylinder. So I walked over to the new master cylinder and like with zero effort and like a index finger and my thumb, I managed to lift these rubber seals out of the master yeah, cylinder. Yeah, because it took a lot of prying to get the ones out yeah. of the old one. So then when you put them side by side, you didn't even need like a micrometer to measure the opening in the middle of it. You could see how much smaller the old one was in the middle and how much more open the opening was in the new ones. Yep. And of course, I don't know if you've ever done a master cylinder before, but when you put the reservoir on top, there's a like a a nipple on the bottom of the master cylinder, one in the front, one in the rear. Sorry, on the bottom of the um reservoir. And mm-hmm. it has like a little a wider part on top of that little nipple that goes into the bottom of the O-ring. Yeah. That holds it in place. So it looks kind of like the, like Christmas tree clips to hold like interior trim in, but with one clip versus like seven. Yeah, I don't know right, what you'd call probably, that. There's probably a name for I'm it. I'm trying to think but, what you'd call that, but it's like the bead at the end of like a pipe. Yeah, exactly. Intake. Exactly. Or like the end of a brake line where it rolls over. The flare. The flare. So it's, it, maybe a flare it's is a flare. the right word for it. It's a flare. So it's got a flare that sits inside that rubber O-ring. And the, the new O-rings that hole in the middle was just so wide open that the flare didn't sit down inside of it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, the whole thing just sat down inside of it. Yeah. That's why it was leaking everywhere. So we cleaned up the grommets. They felt really supple still. Yep. Like they're, I was like, oh, these don't feel dry at all. And then I went over, put them in. They they fit pretty tightly in the new master cylinder. Yep. And then when I went to put in the old reservoir back in after we cleaned the, ori- it. the original reservoir now fully cleaned yeah. yeah clean it out nice get all the old garbage out of it it was really hard to push it in. took a lot of pressure to get that thing in yeah. whereas the, whereas with the other grommets it practically fell in place yeah so so it like snug right in fit nice and tight so the moral of the story is the raider now has brakes yes we have to readjust the e-brake because i don't have an e-brake yeah. but at least i have brakes we did one more flush through the traditional we way. You bled it the just to make way. sure. Yep. And I was like, eh, this pedal feels pretty good, I guess. And then you said it, it was like way, way better. Yeah. Well, it doesn't feel like a race car because it's a Raider. Um, That's but a Raider car. Raider car, yeah. So I got it and I touched the brakes and I was like, whoa, this is like nothing compared to what it used to be like. So. Yeah. I don't, the pedal doesn't get like hard, hard. No. Which I don't think it ever will. I think that's just old cars don't do that. No. Some of my old cars have really hard, but like the cold pedal is real hard. Without the engine running? Huh. With the engine running. Oh. Have you driven the blue cold? I don't think you even have. No. You should drive it. It's no, no. Typically like Really a, nice brakes. Like a brand, brand new car or a car that's like less than Relatively 20 years old. New, yeah. Uh, car that's not from the 80s? Yeah. When the engine's not running and you step on the pedal, it gets like so hard you can't press it anymore. Yes. This would pump up against firm, but you could press it down somewhat. Mm-hmm. So, whatever it works, 
Cars breaks. Car stops. Mm-hmm. Car is now safe to drive for the first time in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes the amount of time you were driving before. It does, yes. <laughs> Anybody who has ever driven that vehicle before can attest to how crappy the brakes were. Yeah. So, in fact, I remember handing the keys to... I mean, it never really went fast enough to need them. I remember handing the keys to our other friend, Brad, Brad Anderson, and he got into it, and I forgot to tell him when the brakes sucked, and he was pretty ticked off at me. The brakes sucked so bad. <laughs> Dude, the thing almost killed me. I was like, oh, yeah, the brakes sound really good. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. What else do we do? I think that's it. Was that it? Yeah. Just did Raider brakes? Yeah, well, each process took too goddamn long. We haven't fixed worked on Jordan's truck since last podcast. Nope. Um, yeah, I haven't fixed the Subaru at all. Nope. I attempted to do the uh, valve cover gasket on oh. the Montero. Okay. I was all set to do it, and then I started taking the connectors off, like electrical connectors, take the intake off, and I was just like... It was at the towards the end of the day after I'd been helping Joe with his exhaust all day. Okay. He was pretty much done with my help, and I was just going to borrow space in his garage and do it while mm-hmm. I was hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I just went, nah, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> it happens <laughs> once in a while. I just wasn't into it. It happens once in a while. So then I was like, all right, cool. I did bring my CB over here, the new one. Let me fix it. Okay. So I went in. Took out, there, not right now. Took, no, no <laughs> I took out the CB that wasn't working. Quote, unquote, not working wired in the other CB I got to replace it. Mm-hmm. Same exact problem. Didn't you say you figured out that it might be the... Hours later. switch? Yeah, so hours later I figured this out, I think. I had wired it into the... I spliced it into power that the radio was getting. And then the CB, because it's a DIN unit, also had a memory function... To remember what channel it was on when you shut it off. Right. Just like a stereo remembers your radio station presets. If Correct. you still listen to terrestrial radio. Right. Or your speaker settings. So, I was like, all right. When you... When I would shut the truck off and turn it back on, the CB would default to channel 9. Or sometimes it would just like randomly flip from whatever channel I had it set at to channel nine. It seemingly seemed to be random. Okay. Um, and then I, it was dark outside and I was playing with it and I had it on and I turned the lights on and the CB flashed and went to the, the, the default channel nine. Channel nine again. Yep. And I've also, when no- you turned the lights on. Yes. Okay. And I also noticed that, I have set the speakers, like adjusted my equalizer in the radio, and then it sounds like crap the next time I get in the truck. So okay. I was like, hmm, I so think... So losing your, like, your equalizer settings. It's losing memory. Okay. Now, typically the memory wire on the adapter harness that comes out of the radio mm-hmm. is orange. Okay. The memory wire coming out of the CB, orange. So it's like a standard. They're kind of universal. Or, yeah. yeah, they're universally standard. That makes sense. They're universally universal, I think is what you meant to say. They're maybe. <laughs> Stan- standard standardized. So now the adapter harness that plugs into the body side, that was marked 
and the orange one did say memory on it, but there's also one that says dimmer and I can see the tag still on it, but I'm wondering if they were crossed. The tag was put on the wrong one. You mean? Yeah. Somehow, or they're plugged in the wrong port. So your memory is on your dimmer. Yes. And your dimmer is on your memory. Which I think makes sense because when I flip the lights on, it sends power to dim the radio or whatever. I assume that's how it works. So I rebooted the radio. Yeah. It wipes the hmm. uh, memory settings. Maybe. And if you dim your headlights to slowly turn back to channel 9? No. Oh, okay. No, Should it flips back to channel 9. <laughs> but my radio also doesn't dim when I turn the headlights on. Okay. Which it probably should. Yeah. Because that radio definitely, that's the radio that was in the, bleh, bleh. that was the radio that was in the Mirage, correct? No. No? Oh, in, in your Silver Montero? Nope. That went with the truck. So is it a new radio? Just a new radio. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. Hmm. After all that, so now I have two CBs. So one probably works just fine. And the other one probably works just fine. Excellent. But my wiring was apparently incorrect, it seems. Well, let's find out for sure, obviously, first, and then go yeah, from there. I got to look at it again. Kind of annoying, but um, then I can finally install the CB. To do some sweet off-road stuff. That's right. Or, um, you know, run some Coors Light. To talk to truckers. East of the Mississippi. That's true. You could do that, too. Well, I think you'd want a faster car than a Montero. What if I, to run, uh, block, to run could, blocker. I guess. Yeah, definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> what if I'm carrying... I have, I have to pass all these 18-wheelers. Let me hit the throttle. Why am I not passing all these 18-wheelers? What if I'm carrying the Coors Light? <laughs> yeah, no. No? No. All right. Like, like one can in the glove box? No. I don't think I'm going to load that thing down with cases of Coors Light. It'd be fine. It would be I fine. I don't know why I want that much Coors Light anyways. <laughs> I don't know why anybody wanted that much Coors Light, but they made a whole three movies about it. So They did. Yeah. Probably because you couldn't get it east of the Mississippi in the 70s. Is that how it worked? Yeah. There's some reason behind I'm, it. I'm sorry they have it now, then. <laughs> doesn't make sense now. In modern era? Yeah. I always assumed, why would it, east of the Mississippi or west of the Mississippi? East of the Mississippi. Yeah, because it comes from Colorado. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So they had to go to Texas to steal it. Texarkana, to be exact. Yeah. But they didn't steal it. Didn't they buy it? I could have sworn they stole it. I don't remember what happened. It was not a a cinematic masterpiece. I don't think that's important. Right, because they'd never get in trouble for stealing the booze. They just get in trouble for driving too fast. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's just kind of a silly 70s movie. I assume everybody knows what we were talking about, so we don't need to reference it. Or say the name of the movie. No. All right. No. If you don't know, sorry. But coincidentally, childhood. when I was over there, uh, Joe's working on his Corvette. Uh, he just happened to have Velocity on in the garage. And they were doing the whatever ridiculous auction it was. And they were running some Trans Ams across the block. And Burt Reynolds was there. With his cane because he's 100. He looks terrible. Yeah. Well, he's old, man. Like He's going to be in his 80s. I don't. I feel like there's other actors that. Don't look as bad as him than as old as him. He lives in Florida. So it's just, when you live in Florida, you age funny. I mean, he looks like nearly dead. Florida is not like the rest of the country. It's like a black hole. 
of sinkholes. Embalmed him already or something. Gross things. Yeah, he's got to be up there, though. I mean, I don't know how old he would be. I don't know. Terrible. Well, that movie, came, the original Smokey the Bandit, came out in, what, 77, 78? And he's probably in his 30s. Probably? Yeah, so that would only make him in, like, his, like, early 70s now. Oh, he, I he, mean, he, way looks older, he looks way older than that. But the whole thing was just selling these Trans Ams. And, like, and I love those auction coverage. It's like, well, the, you know, believe it or not, this Trans Am, the black and gold, was not actually the Bandit package. That was an actual package you could buy on the lot at the time. Yeah, we're aware. It, it yeah. just so happened to come out in the movie, and that's what made it famous. Like, yeah, no kidding. Like, and it was weird because it was like, it was a black and gold one. With the uh, uh, red interior, which is kind of weird. That's yeah. bizarre. I've yeah. never seen that before. Yeah. And then the guy called it like Kurt a... Reynolds is 82 years old. Oh, all right. Yeah, good. he's pretty up all there. All right, good for you. The, um, wh- see, what do you call the hood emblem on a Trans Am? Uh, screaming Chicken. That's what I call it. Yeah. The guy called it like a, a Rising Phoenix. A Rising Phoenix, thing. I think, might be the technical... Original like Pontiac technical term for it is a rising phoenix. The rising phoenix. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a phoenix. It's like a it's Native American, yeah. um, you know, symbolism. But it's obviously a more Americanized. And I think it was originally called the the rising phoenix, but it's just it's been pop culture changed to the screaming chicken. I'm not sure where that happened. It could just be something my dad told me as a child, and you know me since we were children, and I just passed it on to you. I don't know, but no, I I've think always called it the Screaming Chickens. No, I think a lot of people call it Screaming Chickens. I mean, it has to be like that. I've, I've actually, I, that was the only time I heard it. It makes sense that it would be called Rising Phoenix, because it does right. look Native American-ish. Well, if you look at the original 1967 Firebird, mm-hmm. the Firebird, well, the Firebird logo itself is a very Native American-looking logo. Yeah. And the screaming chicken would be um, a stylized version of that. Yeah. I mean, that's always my favorite thing is the Pontiac Thunderbird. Right? That's a great one. Thunderbird, Firebird. Well, yeah. Thunderbird came first. Yeah. Which also had a very similar looking Native American yeah. bird logo. No, but I mean, when people, you never heard somebody call it, like, you know, it's that Pontiac Thunderbird. You I've heard never heard say that. that? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, uh, Fire Chicken. All right. I heard fire chicken. Yeah. I don't know. Weird things. I've never heard Pontiac Thunderbird. Maybe I have. I just didn't, just paid no attention to the person saying it because obviously they were not on our level as car people. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get on uh, Firebirds here? Uh, Burt Reynolds. Oh. Makes sense. Yeah. But then I was discussing. Oh, no. You were running Coors Light from west of the Mississippi back That's east. That's right. In the Montero uh, with a screaming chicken on the hood. I should put a screaming chicken on the hood because the hood. Clear coats peeling. Do you remember? And this is going to be a super local story, just for you and I. Do you remember the Toyota Forerunner that used to be across the street from my old apartment in Lynn, and it had the Firebirds on the sail panels? Nope. Yeah, it was like a '89, '90 Forerunner, and between the rear door and the quarter glass, it had the screaming chicken decals on both sides. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it made perfect sense. What would you put? On the hood of my truck to make the clear coat peel not look as bad. Legitimately flat black. Non-legitimately? like Flat ra- black would look terrible. Like rally yard stripes. On the gold truck? Yep. Really? It's almost silver. It's fine. 
Mm. I consider your truck silver. I wouldn't put like like gold sundown stripes that go up the hill. Maybe. I don't know. But like, I just leave it alone. Re-clear coat it. Subtly flat, gold. Flat gold. It's already flat. There's no clear coat on it. Yeah, so it's fine. Just leave it alone. I, I, you put me on the spot. I don't. I never really thought of what I'd put on that hood of the vehicle, not thinking about changing it to anything. I would just peel the rest of the clear coat off and put a nice even flat coat on it and call it a day. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what else to do with it. I'm uh, trying to find out where the story of the screaming chicken came from, but it doesn't pop right up. doesn't matter. It does matter. I need to know where it came from. Well, but research for next time. Yeah, I'm going to have to. You have to figure it out. Like, we forgot to look up the origin of five-mile-an-hour five bumpers when that came along. Oh, yeah. I mean, we sort of know it came from insurance companies, but in the late 70s. Um, but anyway, I think as this uh, podcast spirals out of control. It's way out of control. <laughs> you know what the problem is? Because we're recording at like 10 o'clock at night. And both of us are tired. I don't make excuses. We don't need excuses. I'm just making an excuse. You're right. We're fine. We're fine. My eyes are barely open. It's been a long work day. I'm tired. Whatever. Brain hurts. Yeah. It's a rough day at work. Yeah. All stories for another day. Whatever. Anyway, uh, another riveting episode of Auto Off Topic. Will they last the next week? Tune in next week to find out. Yeah. Will they make it? Um, anyway, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses. And if you want to find the podcast on Facebook, you should look as far as that or maybe topic I, podcast. Maybe I don't want them to find us. <laughs> or if you want to find us on Instagram, it's just auto off topic. And you can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. And where can they find you, Andrew? At Raced in Anger. Correct. All right. So keep your cars analog. But keep your social media digital. Hey, <laughs> good night. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs>